0: He came to live, live live a perfect life. He came to be the living word, our life. He came to die, so we'd be reconciled. He came to rise, to show His power and might. That's why we praise Him, that's why we sing. That's why we offer Him our everything. That's why we bow down and worship this King. Because He gave His everything. Because He gave His everything. He came to live, live again in us. He came to be. Our conquering king and friend, he came to heal And show the lost ones his love, he came to go Prepare a
1: place for us
0: That's why we praise him, that's why we sing That's why we offer him our everything That's why we bow down and worship this king because he gave his everything. Halle, hallelujah. King, because he gave his everything,
2: because he gave his
0: everything. Blessed be your name
1: in a land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance
0: flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, Still, I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name.
3: Lord, we come before thee now, at thy feet we humbly bow. Oh, do not our suit disdain. Shall we seek thee Lord in vain? Lord on thee, our souls deepen in.
1: and mm-hmm.
2: and visitors to our 1045 service here at the Preston Crest Church of Christ. I'm Brian Pruitt, one of the elders, and on behalf of our entire eldership, we want you to know that we're delighted that you have decided to join us this morning. There are many still coming in and trickling in. If you are a first-time visitor, we hope that you will fill out one of the uh, cards in the pew in front of you and uh, take that to our information desk, welcome center in the lobby, uh, so that uh, we can get you a a special gift and also get to know you better after our service today. Please take a moment now, if you have not already, and uh, check in. The number to text is on the screen, 469-476-5331. Just write the word check in and you will get an electronic form of our bulletin, and we'll know you're on the campus in case of any emergency situation. You can also text the word me to that same number at any time if you want to request a prayer, uh, if you want to uh, search our church directory, uh, or if you want to go automatically into the member side of the website. Any prayer request that you might have for our eldership or for uh, our congregation in general can also be made by filling out one of the cards that's in the pew uh, in front of you. Putting that in the contribution box out in the foyer or uh, handing it to uh, any elder, minister, deacon, anyone else. As we begin our time of worship this morning, Let's go to the Father in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we come before you this morning, thanking you for all of our blessings, our families, our friends, our health, our food and clean water, our homes, our jobs, and our church family here at Preston Crest. Above all, Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, that brought us forgiveness of our sins and the hope of eternal life with you in heaven. Father, we thank you for the talents that you have given each of us to use in your service. I pray that everyone here at Preston Crest will find that special area of service or ministry where we can help your kingdom grow and be more effective in every way, more effective bringing those around us into your family and building each other up toward the likeness of Christ. We thank you, Father, for the recent rains and for the relief so far from some of our drought. We thank you for this, and we praise you. We have so many members, Father of our church family, that are suffering right now from cancer, from injuries, from chronic pain, from dementia, and other severe medical problems. And we want to ask you to reach down to each one of these. We ask that you would heal them to relieve their pain and suffering, restore their health, and comfort them in their distress and affliction. We ask Father this morning that you would be with those who have been affected so severely by flooding in our country, including those in Kentucky and elsewhere. We ask that you would continue to be with so many who have lost homes and businesses because of drought and fires this summer and then flooding. Help us Father to do what we can in your name there are so many of oh God who need your help and we know that you alone have the power and the capacity to help so many in need. Use us as your instruments. We ask you also, Father, to bring peace to the world. We ask for peace in Ukraine and other conflicts wherever they may be. Give protection and comfort and healing to all of those people impacted by these terrible conflicts, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. As we continue to worship this morning, Father, we hope that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts and our worship before you this morning will be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus Christ's blessed name we pray, amen. As we continue our worship, let's read together Psalm chapter 90, verses 1 and 2 from the NIV. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You are the
3: everlasting God, the everlasting
1: God.
3: going to sing one more song as we enter into our time of communion this morning. And then Wayne White will come and lead us around the bread and around the cup.
4: From 1 Peter, chapter 3, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. You and I, my friends, are human. And because we are human, we share some of the same characteristics. One of those characteristics is that we tend to forget. Do we need an illustration? With all apologies to Gordon, can you tell me what his subject was two weeks ago? Can you tell me what his subject was last week? Do you know the names of your great grandparents and where they were born and what work they did and where they're buried? I just got back from several thousand mile trip to Ohio just last week, and already I can't remember all the names. When Jesus Christ died that horrible death that we are remembering this morning, when he decided he wanted us to be sure that we did not forget our salvation, his sacrifice, and our forgiveness, he instituted a a special dinner, a special supper. It was at the... Passover meal, Matthew 26, that he took two simple elements. The more I think of these simple elements, the more I think he could have done some extravagant things, but he didn't. He took two simple elements, bread representing his body, the fruit of the vine representing his blood. Two simple elements that we take every week Can you remember the last time you really thought seriously about those two simple elements? You see, without thought, what we do this morning and every Sunday morning can become rote and routine and mundane and simply a habit. But there are solutions. How do we make this not routine and not a habit and not mundane? Two things, one. You've got to take this personally. I'm thinking that the man who wrote about the precious blood of Jesus Christ remembered the time in Luke 22 where three times he said, I don't know the man, I don't know the man, I don't know the man, and swore in the process. And at that moment, the cock crew. And Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And at that point, it became personal. I'm wondering, when I take the bread, if it becomes that personal with me. The second thing I want you to do is to do this with thought. The first Corinthians 11 passage that we read on a regular basis says, very simply, take this in memory of me, twice, he says, take this in memory of me. You see, brethren, when we take these two simple elements, Every week, simple piece of bread and a little bit of juice, he's asking us to do some remembering. And here's what I'm asking of you. Simply remember him, what he did and how he did it. Remember his sacrifice and the cost to him. You see, grace may be free, but grace has never been cheap. Remember. The result of that death, which includes your salvation and mine. And remember to be very, very grateful because without this bread and what it represents and without this fruit of the vine and what it represents, you and I have no hope. But because we surveyed the wondrous cross on which our king of glory died, We have hope, we have a future, we have blessings, and we have a relationship with God that's second to none. Let's pray together. Father, as we come into Your presence, as humbly as we know how, we ask that as we take this bread, that we will indeed remember Remember who we were before your son came into our lives, to remember the blessings that we have as a result of his sacrifice and his willingness to give himself. And so may the bread be special. May it be more than just bread. May it be a reminder of the gift that we have from you through your son, Jesus. Join me again, if you would. Father, we bow our heads in complete submission to the cross. We bow our heads in complete submission to your will for our lives, realizing that we have your will by the blood of Jesus Christ, who gave it freely and willingly and lovingly. So as we take this fruit of the vine, remind us again of the blessing of the gift of Your Son that not only is offered to the world, but is offered to each one of us individually. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.
3: Thank you. Thank you for taking us to the cross this morning. If you brought an offering this morning to give, you can drop that in the box right out in the middle of our foyer. I know many of you are already giving online, and we thank you. However you choose to give to continue the work here at this place, thank you. Thank you. One of the great works of this church is our women of worship, and they're about to start off, start kicking get kicked off uh, here pretty quick so uh, we're going to watch a video about them in just a moment but this is a, a ministry that ministers to our women here that gets them in the word during the week and brings them closer together let's, uh, let's pray Father thank you for how you bless us thank you for blessing us with a night's rest thank you for blessing us with this house of prayer where we can gather father i pray that our worship today is a fragrant aroma the words we sing the the prayers we pray I pray that it not be just in this place, that we take that with us this week, that your name be on our lips this week, that these songs and your words be in our hearts this week. May we be a church that loves you, a church that loves to share you with those around us. You are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our worship, Father. Hear our prayer. It is in the name of Jesus that we offer it. Amen.
2: Good morning, Preston Crest family. I'm Annette Collier. And I'm Karen McCauley. Karen and I are blessed to be a part of Women of Worship, which is also known as WOW. We gather together on Tuesday mornings beginning in September throughout mid-May. We are a group of women devoted to studying God's Word, praying together, and serving members at Preston Crest and in our community. One of the best parts of being involved in Women of Worship is establishing friendships with other ladies in a variety of seasons of life, ranging from young mothers to Ladies in Retirement. Child care is available during class with extended child care as an option until 2 p.m. This year's theme for WOW is focusing on
5: our daily walk in community with God. Annette and I would like to encourage you to join us for our WOW opening day on Tuesday, September 13th, beginning at 930. This year's guest speaker is Jody Compton. Jody leads the children's ministry team at Southwest Church of Christ in Tigard, Oregon. She and her husband, Mark, have three children and a daughter in love, and most importantly, a grandson that attend Preston Crest. Following our speaker, we will enjoy a luncheon together. Feel free to contact Annette or me or refer to this week's bulletin for more information about the women of worship. We look forward to having you join us along with your neighbors and friends. Thank you for supporting ministries like WOW at Preston Crest.
3: All right, I'm looking for Houston and Anita Goodspeed. Where are you guys? Give me a little wave, would you? There's Houston and Anita back there. I'm not going to talk numbers, but I know that both of you are celebrating big birthday numbers this year. Isn't that correct? And they are surrounded by kids and family, grandkids. I'll tell you what, church, let's give them a little Preston Crest love, if you don't mind. Now, what you don't know is that Anita helped me start our worship team. And I miss you guys sitting down here with us. Miss that alto voice, my dear. Miss that voice. Glad y'all are here. Glad y'all are part of this family. Church, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. We're going to sing one more, and then uh, Gordon's going to come up here and share with us a little bit. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where
5: Good to be together. As they were talking about WOW, my son leaned over and said, like his friend group would think that was the World of Warcraft group meeting to play games. So, no, it is the Women of Worship. Um, We need a World of Warcraft group here. Maybe a Call of Duty group as well for the guys. I walked in this morning and it just caught my attention looking around. I passed some American Airlines people. I see some Southwest Airlines people. I ran into some Aggies this morning that we were visiting. I know we got some longhorns here. We got some black people, some white people, every color in between. But we are the family of God. Amen? We are His children, and it is good to be brothers and sisters together. And it's, it's special when we worship. We're always brothers and sisters, but it is special when the family gets together, has a family meal around that Lord's table, listens to the Word of God together. And we also show up expecting Well, we know God is here, but we expect him to show up as well. And it was cool, John Scott, just at first service to see people respond. You know, the old altar call, it doesn't always, uh, you don't always have responses in the year 2022. But this morning, several people came and we prayed together and it's just neat. Uh, God is going to show up in different ways and surprising ways every time we get together. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount in which Jesus introduced us to the good life, the kingdom life. He calls us to live our best lives following his teachings. You know, this sermon, it's interesting. Um, I get up here and I'm just preaching some old words, some words of Jesus. And it's so interesting to me that there are so many sayings, phrases, figures of speech that come out of the Sermon on the Mount. Whether you are a Christian or you have never cracked open a Bible, you have heard these sayings, Uh, you've probably even said these things. Now judge not lest you be judged. Salt of the earth, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. Uh, Jesus' teachings were and are so influential, they are still very much, much a part of our culture. I was just going on a little tangent this week, thinking about uh, all of the different United States presidents who've actually quoted this in presidential addresses from John Adams, second president John Quincy Adams, to uh, FDR and Truman and Obama and probably others. But it has been so much a part of our culture and our conversations. But what really gets me centered are the words of a former U.S. Supreme Court Justice, Oliver Wendell Holmes, who talked about, well, I'll just read his quote. I think it's great. He said, most people are willing to take the Sermon on the Mount as a flag to sail under... But few will use it as a rudder by which to steer. And we come this morning as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, and we say, Lord, we want to steer our lives by your inspired words. That's what we're here to do. So as we encounter these words this morning, especially in Matthew five thirty-eight to 48, about love, not the flimsy expiration date superficial versions that we see in our culture but agape the love of God unconditional strong and fierce we will take those words to heart let's go to Matthew 5 starting in verse 38 Jesus said you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now let's pause right here. We have seen this week after week in our study of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus systematically corrects misunderstandings, confusion about the law of Moses. You've heard this, but I tell you this. You've heard this. He doesn't abolish. He doesn't say Moses was wrong. He says, no, what you were taught about that was wrong. What you understand about that is off. And so he's correcting these misunderstandings. This morning in this text, we have a very challenging text because what his audience heard, eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, what they heard and what many people would hear today in those phrases is a call to, to retaliation eye for an eye it's about getting even all right it's about revenge and Jesus is going to correct that now first of all an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth it wasn't about revenge at all it was given not as an invitation to punish it was given as a limit of punishment If someone takes out an eye, you don't get to take their head off. If someone rolls over a goat with their ox cart, you don't get to roll over their child with your ox cart. It is a limit. These are maximum guidelines, and they weren't given on a personal level for people to, hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. They were given to the judges, to the courts of Israel. When you administer justice, the punishment, it, it needs to fit the crime. Don't go overboard with it. And then this idea, don't resist the evil person. That sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? Really, it carries the idea of retaliation. Again, when you are injured, when you are insulted, when you are ridiculed, don't come back at them. Don't play the game that they're playing. At the same time, a slap on the cheek... Um, That was not really about an act of physical violence. It was really about an insult, right? We've got turn the other cheek. If someone strikes you on the right cheek. Now, you have to do a little bit of a CSI on this. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, they're not punching you, okay? If it's a right-handed person, if you're punching someone, you're going to hit them on the left cheek. Uh, No, this was a backhanded insult, uh, this was a way of tearing someone down, and, and so Jesus says, don't respond like that. Don't join in that. If they insult you, let them insult you again, all right? So we've got this idea about not joining in this kind of tit-for-tat game of retaliation. Um, verse 40, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let them take your cloak as well. I think Jesus had a sense of humor. I know he had a sense of humor. I wonder if this wasn't something that got a little chuckle out of the audience as well. Imagine going to court and suing someone for their jacket. I mean, it's just kind of a funny thing to think about. But he says, hey, if someone comes and sues your jacket, throw in the scarf as a bonus. I mean, he says, surprise people. They're expecting what? They're expecting to go to war. They're expecting a good fight. They're expecting you to, to, to look to get your pound of flesh back. And he says instead, there's an ethic of love that comes from God the Father. And we surprise and we shock the world with our kindness and generosity when the normal reaction would be a different kind of provocation. We'd be an in insult, sarcasm, anger what they meant to be mean to us, we turn back into a blessing. And it is a response that is designed to surprise and upend the normal way the world works. Verse 41, If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So, We know that the audience was living under the thumb of Rome, this massive occupying power that had had really dominated so much of the ancient world. We think of Roman soldiers often as, as lining up for battle, as going to war. Most often they were pretty much law enforcement, kind of like police officers. There weren't wars going on in Israel at this time, but there were Roman soldiers aplenty keeping the peace and they could, under Roman law, a Roman soldier could, could ask someone along the road to take their heavy pack and do them a solid, carry it for one mile. You were legally obligated to do that if a Roman soldier asked you to do that. What does Paul, what does Jesus rather say? He says, go with them too. You go one mile, you know, it looks like you're still a little tired, you could use some help. Do you mind if I carry it another mile? You think that's going to surprise them? Yeah, that's going to surprise them. Go the extra mile. Here's this one. If someone begs, give them something. If someone wants to borrow, don't refuse. Wow. Did Jesus really mean that? Now, okay, a lot of the times as we're working through the Sermon on the Mount, like let your yes be yes, no, your no be no. We talked about that. Don't tell a lie. And we imagined, we imagined situations where it would be incredibly difficult to tell the truth. Or here, it would be incredibly difficult to just give, give, give. Instead of imagining these situations where it would be hard to follow the words of Jesus, as disciples, I think we can do better. Let's imagine all of the situations where we can and should be doing this because what happens is we make excuses to write off the teaching of Jesus by trying to play these gymnastics in our head like they did in Jesus' day with the law of Moses. We do sometimes with the words of Jesus. There are so many places where when we are asked, we can give, right? Where when someone wants something, we can do that, maybe even do a little more. Look, there are plenty of scriptures talking about uh, the repayment of debts, right? There are plenty of scriptures that say you need to do that. There are scriptures talking about how uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, if someone doesn't work, then don't let them eat. Just that you need to earn your way in life. There's plenty of scriptures that talk about that as well. The deal Jesus is talking about and really plays it out more in Luke chapter 6, uh, which is another version of this sermon, he says, look, if the way you're conducting yourself looks just like the world, then you're not representing your father very well. In the world, when people give out money, they expect it back with interest, In the world, that's the way it works. We treat people well who treat us well. Nothing particularly generous about that or kind about that. So again, we are looking for places as the children of the king where we can surprise the world with God's generosity. We can reveal the giving nature of our father in the way we conduct ourselves here now. really gets our attention here in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yeah, that's the way the world works even today. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Sons, children of the Father who is in heaven. Love your neighbor. Hate your neighbor. Enemy. That is the OS, the operating system of our culture. That was the operating system of the first century culture as well. That is normal. That is the default way things work down here. The kingdom operating system is very different. Love your enemies. Pray for those who are out to get you. And this may be the most challenging thing that Jesus said in this entire sermon. Love your enemies? Is he serious about that? Well, the cross would let us know, yeah, he's very serious about that. And so the world doles out love in terms of lovability. (laughs) We love the lovable. We love the person who is attractive. We love the person who is kind and good. We love the person who loves us. It's easy to love someone back who loves us. We love the person who can do us a solid. I'm going to treat them well. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be generous because at some point I think I'm going to get that back. I'm going to get a return on that investment. That is the way of the world. Well, how about loving the person who looks different? How about loving the person who worships differently? How about loving the person who votes or thinks differently? How about loving that person or that group that is not like you? How can I do that, Jesus? How on earth can I love that person or that group of people? You can't. Instead of asking how on earth, we need to be asking how in heaven, our Father in heaven, we love with His love. We do not love with an earthly love. That's the point. Sometimes when we don't feel like loving, and if we're honest, that's going to happen quite often. Sometimes when we don't feel like loving, we love with His love. Because we can't find it in ourselves, in our broken sinfulness to love. And so Jesus says when we do that, verse 45, we will be sons of our Father who's in heaven. We have a heavenward orientation in this world. And God's goodness is so big. It is so great. He goes around blessing people whether they are lovable or not. The sun rises on the evil and on the good. He goes around and takes care of people and gives gifts to people, whether they love him or reject him. He causes the rain to fall on the just and on the unjust. Different kind of love is the Father's love. Verse 46. He's going to make this contrast, right? For if you love those who who love you back, big deal. <laughs> what reward do you have there? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? If, if you're greeting only those people in your own group, big deal. Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You need to love like your Father loves Perfect, that's that's quite a word there. That's a doozy. Perfect like God. That word in Greek, teleos, means more maturity than it does unblemished perfection. Uh, The Amplified Bible translates it like this. You, therefore, will be perfect, growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind, character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life. Do that as your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, Now, the more we act like God's children, the more we reflect His uncommon grace, uncommon kindness in our world, the more we refuse to play the cultural games of retaliation and escalation, the more we stand out the more we are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The more we make his presence known in this dark place. Amen? So Jesus has kind of, kind of thrown down the gauntlet and challenged the ethical system of fallen humanity. The broken system of the world says, when someone hurts you, hurt him back. Jesus says, nah not the way my people handled themselves so then he moves from revenge to rights i mean as americans we know all about rights we've got our bill of rights we know our rights read me my rights i will defend my rights i'm required to carry your pack for a mile okay one mile boom that's it i'm done Jesus challenged that. Go beyond. And then he goes from revenge to rights to returns. In the commerce of relationships, we like to get something back on our investment. We like dividends for our work and our sweat equity. You know, I'm going to love people. Yeah, I'm going to serve people, uh, especially those who can help me out down the road. Keep an eye on my investment there. Jesus says in verse 47, don't even pagans do that? So there's a call to a higher love, a higher love. Jesus asks us to let God the Father love people through us and when we do that, we will surprise, sometimes even shock, the world. And I want you to notice something as we work through that this morning. Every example Jesus uses of how to love and how to respond to different situations, the examples are all very ordinary. Carrying a pack, giving someone your coat. I mean, it's, it's just ordinary stuff. He, he doesn't use examples that are like these big spotlight moments in the arena. In this passage, he doesn't use the go take up your cross. He'll talk about that later. He uses the most mundane, ordinary, everyday, small examples Simple acts of kindness carried out in day-to-day situations. It gets people's attention. It lets them see the Father through us. However, I will say this. The impact of living like this, it's not always small and ordinary, is it? I was just thinking this week as I was reading these words of Jesus, how our nation pivoted on the words of Jesus, yes, in the Sermon on the Mount. I think about the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King Jr., who was, I like to remind people, a preacher, and he built the movement and built his team around the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He said one time, he said it was the Sermon on the Mount rather than a doctrine of passive resistance that initially inspired the Negroes of Montgomery to dignified social action. It was Jesus of Nazareth that stirred the Negroes to protest with, I love this phrase, with the creative weapon of love. Mm. King himself wrote a sermon based on, like I said, he was a preacher, wrote a sermon based on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He wrote it from a jail cell in Georgia, and these are some of the words he penned. Hate multiplies hate. In a descending spiral of violence, and this is interesting, it is just as injurious to the person who hates as it is to the victim. But above all, love is the only force capable of what? Transforming an enemy into a friend. Wow. One of his friends, after King was violently killed, one of his friends, Dr. Benjamin Mays, spoke at his funeral and gave this summary of Dr. King's life. If any man knew the meaning of suffering, King knew. House bombed, living day by day for 13 years under constant threats of death, maliciously accused of being a communist, falsely accused of being insincere, stabbed by a member of his own race, slugged in a hotel lobby, jailed over 20 times, occasionally deeply hurt because friends betrayed him. And yet this man had no bitterness in his heart, no rancor in his soul, no revenge in his mind, and he went up and down the length and breadth of this world preaching nonviolence and the redemptive power of love. So there you have it. Dr. King and the movement that he led, it was stirred into action by the sermon that we've been going through. Jesus' word so long ago. They had the power to change a nation, our nation, and they have the power to change our lives if they will be more than a flag that we sail under and become for us rudders that steer our lives. So what about our moment today? This world of social media and 24-hour news bombardment that portray us as being in a culture war. It is us versus them, good versus evil, lined up for battle. They are the villains. They are the enemies. They want to destroy America. We should take up sides for the fights. Don't forget, in this moment, Jesus calls us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, we are citizens of a different kingdom. We serve a different king, and our neighbors need to see this. Jesus asks us in Matthew 5:38 to 48 to think small. Love means turning the other cheek. Love means being asked for something And not only giving that, but a little beyond. Love means forgiving. Love means choosing to pray for an adversary instead of knock their block off. Love is translated by disciples into very ordinary situations of day-to-day life. Now, Jesus is not telling us, let's be clear, he is not telling us to be completely passive. This is the same Jesus who walked into the temple and turned over money changers' tables. He's the same Jesus who fought injustice. His disciple, the Apostle Paul, is someone who, in Acts chapter 16, who was unjustly accused and who demanded his rights as a Roman citizen to go before Caesar. And so, we just need to remember who we are. We need to remember that we are his people. We need to remember our higher calling to share his love with this world. And we cannot do that unless we surprise people. Unless we show them a different Way. Now, consider how God treated you. When you were rebellious and you were sinful, when you were, by any measure, the enemy of God, what did he do? He sent his son, the prince of heaven, to die for you, to bleed out for you. God loves His enemy. How can you look at the cross and not see that? Father, forgive them, for they they know not what they're doing. I heard someone say one time I've given God a thousand reasons not to love me, but none of them has changed his mind. Romans 5, 8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That's the kind of God that we worship today. And people look, people who have never opened a Bible, never stepped into a church, they've heard turn the other cheek. They've heard salt of the earth. They've heard go the extra mile. They've heard love your enemies But as disciples, we need to do more than hear those words. As Holmes said, they need to be the rudder by which we steer. Jesus, did he talk the talk but not walk the walk? He was ridiculed by his enemies, spat upon, sentenced to death by his enemies, he was called a madman. He was called a boozer, a drunk, a glutton. He was called a, an instrument of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. He was, anything they could call him, they called him. And instead of choosing to retaliate, he chose to die for them. Jesus returned evil with good. He treated people well, even those like us who didn't deserve it. So even when we don't feel like loving, we can choose to let him love through us. I read this verse in my quiet time this morning from Romans chapter 12, verse 15. It says this, See to it that no one misses out on the grace of God. Don't you love that? Like, that's a good job today and this week at school, in the office, in my neighborhood. See to it, Gordon, that no one misses out on the grace of God. We have been so blessed to receive his lavish grace, his love, his kindness. It overflows into the way we treat people around us. This morning... Are you ready to accept him as your Lord and Savior? Be baptized in the name of Jesus and begin walking as a follower of Jesus, your life being steered by his words. Maybe you need prayers this morning. Maybe you want to become a member of this church. We'd love to talk with you about that. Let's, let's right now, let's just respond by standing and worshiping his awesome name.
3: The Oh
1: I...
2: Terry and Thomas uh, come this morning. They uh, sustained uh, an attack yesterday, and they are asking for prayers, and let's go to the Father for them at this time. Father, we pray your blessings on uh, Terry and on Thomas. We, we ask that you would bless them and help them through uh, the trauma of, that they have sustained. We pray, Father, for the person who, who did this to them and we ask that you would lift their heart and their mind toward you. Our Father, we ask your protections on all of us as we we move and travel each day in this city and beyond. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you to uh, John Scott and to Gordon for our, our worship today. Uh, you might be seated just for a minute because we've got, we've got one other thing here. Uh, we have a prayer partner uh, sign up out in our foyer this morning and Rowan Chestnut, has uh, we've asked him to do a brief video to tell you something about what the prayer partner has meant to him. Let's, uh, let's do that.
5: James five sixteen says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another and that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in, as it's working. A prayer partner is a friend. Prayer partners help and support one another in love and truth. And pray for one another, specifically when they go to the Father in prayer. And I love to see my prayer partner and their family whenever I go to church and sit next to them and worship. Uh, They have been such a blessing to me, and I
2: hope everyone has a chance to have one. It's a wonderful program and ministry if you want to sign up to be a prayer partner for one of our children. Uh, Again, there is a table in our foyer where you can do that. Um, We hope that you'll come back tonight at 6. Jacob Hawk will be concluding the a series that he and Gordon have been doing on Ephesians or the church's DNA. Uh, That has been excellent. Uh, Stand with me, if you will. And as we are closing this morning, our take-home verse is from 1 John 4, 7 through 8. Let's uh, read this together. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. May God bless you. See you this evening.